When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thank you for listening. We have Ryan Rosillo on the podcast today from The Ringer, host of the Ryan Rosillo Podcast, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. And we have our Train of Thought segment with Sal Licata. Very good conversation with Rosillo. Got into a lot of uh, NBA playoff talk. Uh, sort of did a little sad thing about nobody cares about baseball, unfortunately. And we get into some things about podcasting, Elon Musk buying Twitter, a little of everything there with Ryan Rosillo. And then in Train of Thoughts with Salicata, we get into uh, time on HBO and uh, we get into a nice fight about the NFL scheduling issues going to Christmas and Black Friday. Before we get to the pod uh, with Ryan and Train of Thoughts, let me just remind you, if you missed last week, great episode with Kenny Smith from Inside the NBA. Two weeks ago, Ian Eagle. Three weeks ago, Adnan Burke. Four weeks ago, Greg Gumbel. All interviews right here on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. If you missed any of them, go into the archives and give them a listen. Subscribe to the pod if you're not a subscriber. And if you can rate and review, that helps a lot. And I appreciate it. All right. Brian Rosillo, followed by Train of Thoughts right here on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. All right. Joining me now, always a good time when we get one of the top podcasters in the universe on the SI Media Podcast. The host of the Ryan Rosillo podcast, Ryan Rosillo from The Ringer, Spotify. Ryan, how's it going? I'm good, man. How are you feeling, Jimmy? I'm doing okay. Hanging in there, getting ready for the uh, NFL draft, which I don't, I don't know. I'm not into the draft as much this year for some reason, but I'm way more into the NBA playoffs than I usually am. I think that's why. So, but I love this time of year. I think this is uh, 
this is a fun time. And I'm a big bat. You, you don't, you don't, you're not a big baseball guy, right? I actually am a huge baseball fan. Oh, okay. I just don't spend a ton of time on it, you know? And there was a couple of yeah. times we were trying to do stuff. We did some CBA talk because I always love CBA talk. But yeah, I, I have it on every night, you know, as the playoffs it's- kind of phase out and there's some gaps in there. I almost, yeah. I mean, I was watching the Angels game last night just because it was on. So, um, and then, you yeah. know, I'm paying attention to the Red Sox. I'm just not, you know, I care about the outcome you just I'm just not I don't know it was it was always weird I mean I grew up obsessed with it I think you knew that I worked for the right, right, right. team right. 20 years yeah. ago and then when I did it every day in Boston it became instead of an escape it was part of the deal so I actually do love baseball I started with baseball but I also know doing the national radio stuff like we could see segment by segment what popped and what didn't and it just was a very difficult national topic so it's, there you go. it bums me out so much because obviously everything you said there is 100% accurate and I, I know with me you know, when I lead my column with baseball, just it's rare that it'll ever get any sort of pop as opposed to, you know, everything else. It's not as bad as hockey, but it's, you know, it's sad that it's sort of fading and fading and fading. I think it's only going to get worse, unfortunately, but we'll see what happens. Maybe they can turn things around. <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, we've, we always joked that like when you're doing national radio, you knew you were desperate when you were mid July going, all right, how to fix baseball coming up next. And it was that two, two week window of, of how to fix baseball all the time. And I, I would laugh when I'd listen to some of it. Cause you would just go like, why would less baseball go? You know, I don't have three hours, but I've got two fifteen tonight right. to watch it. And anybody that has kids, I don't, but I, my buddy was here this past week. Um, you know, who played hockey professionally and then his his son and his buddy were here, the 14-year-olds. And I said, hey, I could get his Dodgers tickets. And the dad was like, don't even bother. Like, don't even bother because they're not. He goes, I brought them to Fenway and, you know, they get their snacks, they sit down. And then after 20 minutes, they're just like, what is this? And That's depressing. No, oh, but wow. it, it, it makes sense. I mean, when not to sound like super old guys again, but whenever you're – Whenever you're around younger kids and you see how they consume everything, right. um, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I love the sport. Yeah. I think it has an unbelievable product for the playoffs, even though I don't love the expansion and the play-in stuff because I think it's kind of a joke that you have to like win a game after winning 100 plus <clears throat> regular season games to be in the playoffs. But yeah. I don't. I, I don't know how to fix this something. You know, fix something that I cared a ton about um, to make sure everybody. You know, maybe it's like the NCAA tournament. Like at least you have this moment instead of having this regular season that people care about as much as the NFL. So people do seem to get into the postseason with baseball, but I, you know, I do think baseball though, they just, they hurt themselves and then they, they step on their own feet so much. The runner on second to start extra innings is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in all of sports, but that's just mine. Uh, I don't like it either, but I, you know, it's, there's there's been some moments more often where even with the NBA and and we were talking about this on my podcast like I used to push back on like I don't like the play-in game structure because it's almost to the baseball thing I talked about like if you're the seventh seed one year and you win like 49 games and you still have to win one more game while a team that won 33 games can win two and be in the playoffs but it doesn't mean it's not exciting and so if you're selling your product and try to make it more exciting, then I'm, then I'm fine with it. I'm almost ready for any kind of overhauling um, for, for people to like it more. But, you know, C-League used to just constantly be like, hey, ratings are fine. New TV deal is fine because the regional sports networks still get huge numbers locally right. 
for right. this. And, and maybe that's what baseball should be focused on is how are we continuing to make our product the strongest it can be in the however many, you know, it's not 30 TV markets because there's some overlap there. And we, we do that instead of constantly trying to fight this national fight, which would not exactly get you promoted if you work for MLB saying, hey, let's stop worrying about where we're at nationally and make sure we're just positioned strong as we possibly can be locally. But I, it's it's tough, man. I mean, look, Van Pelt and I even started, we used to have two baseball insiders on every week for six months, and then we had one, and then we were doing every other week. And, right. you know, there's just 95% of your audience doesn't give a shit if the Padres you know, trade for a reliever. I know. Sad. Tell me, I, I, wasn't, I didn't intend to spend this much time on baseball, but let me do one last thing since we are talking about it. You're in California. I'm in New York. So give me – I want the vibe in California on Trout. I know the Dodgers are big out there, but – do people there care about Mike Trout? Because, you know, nationally, he's, you know, probably, I don't want to say the word popular because it's going to have a wrong connotation, but for a superstar of the sport, best player in the sport, I mean, nobody cares about him nationally. What about in, is he at least in California a big deal or no one gives a shit? I don't sense it at all. Uh, you know, That's this crazy. is a Lakers town. This is a Lakers yeah, yeah. town more than anything else. You know, maybe I'm a little close to the, you know, I, I live in the South Bay, so it's not like I'm downtown Los Angeles either. But, and I'm not in Anaheim or uh, even the OC or anything like that. It doesn't seem like it it means anything, uh, which is crazy. And I don't know yeah. if that's his personality. I don't I don't know what we're looking for for the next big baseball star. I remember reading stuff about like how Aaron Judge could mm-hmm. save baseball because he's in right. New York and all this stuff. And like I feel like we do these topics every six months or something about like oh this will be the thing this will be the thing and Shohei Atani is this incredible unique talent and I uh, sometimes it's scary how little it feels like people care yeah that's exactly what I think all right let's go to the NBA and we'll talk about what people care about um (laughs) so not six not more than six minutes on a sport we just both talked about right um I've been so into the playoffs I've enjoyed them thoroughly and as always with the NBA, there's so much drama off the court, even during the playoffs where there's so much action on the court. I'm going to put you on the spot here and talk about your boss a little bit, but I'm not ex- – But because this just happened before we started taping. Did you see Draymond Green take these shots at Bill Simmons by any chance? I didn't, but is this the way to get a breakout video where it's titled Bill Simmons employee Ryan Rosillo says this I about s- – I swear to God I'm not going to do that. I will not do that because this is more me. I think I like Draymond Green, but so I so Draymond Green went on Instagram. Um, it looks like this is someone else's post, but he reposted it, and they're basically just they're bashing Simmons for what he said about Green, and uh, the caption is a fifty a fifty two year old man who has all NBA votes is a this, well I'll read you what Draymond wrote here. Um, how is it that this guy has a voice in deciding if Jalen Green will qualify for a supermax deal? He clearly says F him, which sounds very personal, by the way, but he has a say in what anyone earns and, you know, blah, blah, blah. How does he have it? Okay. First of all, Draymond, like. That was about Jalen Green of the Rockets, not Draymond yeah, Green. Okay. Right. Draymond right. Green commenting about. But first of all, he says he's a 52 year old man. I didn't know. Is that too old or too young to have an NBA vote for the awards? I don't know what Draymond's, what the point is in pointing out that Bill is 52. And so whatever you want to vote for Simmons, I mean, the guy has covered the NBA more than, I mean, it, it, to, you're going to act like he doesn't know what he's talking about because you don't like he, that he said F him. I mean, it's it's so such a bizarre take by Draymond who gets the media game. I'm surprised Draymond would have such a dumb take. 
Uh, I'm not. Look, it's turned into players against everybody more so than we've ever seen before. Uh, I've mentioned this numerous times. This generation of players has never had more access to hate uh, than in their entire lives. And I think in a very short amount of time, we've started to see, too, where players were like, they're starting to go back at people in the stands in a way that we've never seen. It's happening more and more. I mean, hell, Jock Peterson the other day, you know, hits a home run right after he's looking in the stands. His guys are just heckling the shit out of him. So yeah. uh, I think there's a real divide where I feel like the players feel like everybody's out to get them. And then when you factor in, you know, I had a vote this year as well too. And, you know, it's it's not the greatest feeling knowing that, you know, you could you could have – you could have an impact on somebody making like an extra 30 million bucks in their contract. Now, so, you know, and then the fans aren't going to like us either. Cause at some point, if you're doing this long enough, I mean, I've probably had 20 of the 30 NBA cities present some argument that I absolutely hate their team when I'm just, for the most part, I don't care enough to, to get to that point of actually hating it. So I think there's massive, massive divides because we have access to everybody's thoughts in a way that we've never had it before. So Draymond, is going to see the headline. And if you listen to the audio of what Bill's saying, he's just kind of being dismissive about the rookie team, the all-first rookie team, which, again, has nothing to do with Jalen Green's contract. There's a 0% chance Draymond Green heard that audio clip. No, zero. zero. So we all know that game, too, on top of everything else. Right. Uh, I would say, fine, take the vote away from from (laughs) us, but I've seen how the players fucking vote for the All-Star game. I mean, you fucking guys vote for guys that don't even play just to right. prove some point. Um, you couldn't have the teams do it because they'd be incentivized to not have guys make all NBA teams so that their cap is is right. easier to manage. So, you know, look, um, there's no perfect solution, but if you can find a way to go at the media guy, uh, more people are going to be on your side because the players are already pre-positioned like, to hate you. And then the fan base is like, they all think that, we're not that impressive to begin with because you're like, all you do is watch games and talk about it. I could have done that too. So (laughs) nobody's really going to be on the side of the media. Well, I'll say two things there. I mean, it is interesting how you point out, you know, there does seem to be the, the relationships and the players, you know, having this sort of animosity with media fans, it's worse than ever. You know, the players are making more money than ever. You think they'd be happy about that. And you know, that would, but they're not, I mean, look at, do you remember when Silver said, "I think was it a year ago?" He goes, "We have an incredibly unhappy group yes. of, yeah, of yeah. like players," and that's it's my thing it, though about if you don't like the way someone's voting, if you you know if you think this guy should be the MVP, and it, my here's what fans and players care about: one, are the voters paying attention, watching the games? Like you and Bill do that; no one can question that. And two, is the writer? casting some wild vote just to get attention. I mean, we've seen that, you know, there was the, as a Yankee fan, I'll point out, you know, Jeter went into the Hall of Fame, but it was one writer who didn't vote for him. Clearly that guy is doing that for personal reasons, not for Hall of Fame reasons. Right. It's but, a, it's a lot like when George King, your Yankees beat writer, didn't vote Pedro in the top 10 at MVP voting because he said he right. doesn't do it with pitchers. And he voted, what, Cone and Wells top 10 previous seasons? Yeah, I never, I, I barely right. remember that. But just you guys... <laughs> You guys, I, it was, it's funny. It goes back to the baseball. You guys, though, okay. So you're going to vote someone else. For, I think it was Herb Jones over whatever it was. Over yeah, like, that's not an outland. Like dr- the reaction is if it's something outlandish. That's not outlandish. I'm, Draymond knows them. I mean, he's working for TNT. That's the other thing too. Like you want to go there and criticize the media. You're going to go work for TNT. Like that's a little. That's a little rich for my blood. But. Yeah, but nobody's going to do that. Like there, there was always this. 
this funny thing that would happen when we were at ESPN where somebody would just retired or whatever. And sometimes those guys were like, maybe I'll do this for a year and then I'll go back. It was probably way worse with the coaches because sometimes you'd get these fired NBA coaches and then they wouldn't say anything for a year while they were on TV because they were just waiting for their next gig. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. Right, um, right. And I'm being right. sarcastic. But I, I think there's always this initial thing. And here's Draymond as an active player being part of the media, which is also another funny thing that we've become desensitized to. Because remember Josh Norman, like the outrage, you're like, wait, this active NFL player is going to have a hit on NFL Sunday Fox? Like, is he going to give away schemes and how's this all going to work? And you, then you realize what it was. You're like, he's taping a midweek segment on his day off that's going to run because he has a bit of a personality. And then you, it seems absurd that we even talked about that as something that was actually a segment-worthy uh, discussion. So when yeah. Draymond's not ever thinking, Jimmy, that, well, I'm part of the media also. He's, he's a guy that happens to play basketball at a right. still very high level. And right. he's like, oh, and I can make some side money as I lay the foundation to my pivot later on in my career because he's going to be terrific at it. Uh, it's kind of like the Jason Tatum thing on the J.J. Reddick podcast, which is incredible as well. Ooh. But Tatum was, was complaining about the third team and all NBA stuff and like you could be costing me this kind of money and all these different things. It's like, okay, but you realize you're completely dismissing that a group of voters got together and just decided like, hey, I don't want to cost this guy all this money. It's just that I, I thought this guy was better. And right. we're, I mean, look at the Jokic Embiid stuff that's going on. Every Jokic performance that mm -hmm. isn't up to par now, it's like people want to recall the vote. So I, I, I wish there was a better solution. I'm honored in my first year to finally get one like because I feel like I take it really seriously. But the, the idea that everyone's out, everyone that has a vote is out to get everybody. I would right. argue there's plenty of people that maybe have you know, could watch more games. I know when I would look at everybody's vote at when I didn't have one, and I'm certainly look again and go, well, how the hell did you come up with that? But who knows? I could have one or two where some people are going to say, what did you say? What did you even see there? But it's, I don't, I don't think it's as malicious. Maybe there's examples, but I don't think it's collectively as malicious as the players make it out to be. But if you can just find a way to bitch about other media members, then guys are just going to do it. Cause most people are going to have your side publicly. Also, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe if I'm a player these days, maybe I tell my agent, don't tie in postseason awards then to my contract, you know, make it. Well, it's a CBA it about thing. Yeah, I get Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, it sucks that it has to be that way then, because then they're always going to think someone's out to get them when they're, and when then they're if really you, not. And if you just did stats the way baseball mm -hmm. does with some stuff, um, you know, on the Super 2 things. I guess you could, but then everybody would complain that the stats are wrong too. Then we'd have Hassan Whiteside, you know, making even more money. Although he did max out, I think, uh, the first time through with Miami. So yeah, um, obviously, big theme has been the Nets, Durant, Kyrie, Barkley driving the bus. It's, it's, I mean, I don't know out there. I know here in New York, it's been huge. I'm sure it's been that way nationally. Um, do you let me start with this? Do you think Durant's? I don't want to use the word legacy, that's way too strong, but do you think Durant's, uh, how people view Durant maybe comes down a peg by how poorly he performed in getting swept by the Celtics? I mean, he was he was pretty bad in game three by his standards. No. Um, and Tatum did an unbelievable job. And then you start asking yourself some bigger picture questions. Like, do I go into next year thinking Tatum is better than Durant, which I didn't think I was going to say to myself after the series. Uh, I also think there's, you know, a big part of me that saw what Durant did last year without Kyrie in a, in a not even half version of Harden with the hamstring injury in the playoffs. And he still almost got past Milwaukee. So for to go this bad, 
And this whole Brooklyn thing, when it started, I was like, I'm a little surprised KD be hitching his wagon to Kyrie. And and on top of it, it went way worse. You know what I mean? It, it, it As bad as I thought it could go, if it went sideways, it's gone way worse. So as the best player out of that group, you're going to take most of the heat. Uh, he likes to engage, which part of me respects him for it because I've always said that I like Durant a lot, not only as a player, because I feel like I know exactly who he is as a person, and I'd rather have flawed and and genuine than scripted and, and seemingly perfect. Russell Wilson. So I've, I'm always going to defend Kevin Durant. Um, but, you know, I think it gets to a point where it's like, hey, do you really want to just start debating people that have already decided they're never going to change their minds? Like, we do not change our minds about anything. Uh, in this society. I don't know how it how it translates to other parts of the world, but we don't. We don't want to go, hey, maybe I was wrong about this. I know I don't like doing it. I don't like being wrong about teams and players and stuff, but eventually you have to get over it. So if somebody's telling Durant he sucks and then he can't stop talking about it with somebody else, it's like, what do you think you're going to do? Like are you trying to change a person's mind? And I don't think I don't think that's ever going to happen. So I can understand his frustration, but he put himself in this situation. And what I think it also is is it's a it's a it's also confirming how many people actually didn't like Durant originally because he left Oklahoma City and he went to a team that won 73 games and probably should have won a title if Draymond wasn't suspended in the 2016 finals. So when you add that all up, going, oh, that's the way you did it, you know, that's in there's there's these kind of like there's never any gray with it where where you either like love player freedom or you hate it. And I think Durant actually got people that like player freedom to make it a little more gray saying, okay, but that one's ridiculous. So this was another chance to dump on a guy that people are still resentful towards going back, you know, five posts or five off seasons now. What do you, what do you make of him responding to Barkley and always responding to trolls on social media? I mean, I guess, see, I don't like it, but I don't really have a leg to stand on because he's a great player. It's not like it affects his play. I just, I don't know. I think if you make like two hundred million dollars and you're the best basketball player on, in the on, in the world, like why, why are you even checking your phone? But that's just me. Uh, yeah, I remember. You know, look, I remember reading Game Change, which was the lead up to. Uh, for some people may remember it as is the John McCain picking Sarah Palin to be his running. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was a you yeah. know, hey, this is a real game changer. HBO makes the movie about that, but that book had all sorts of chapters on. How everybody that was chasing, um, you know, the nomination of both sides at that point, right? So it was the introduction to Obama. It's the first time through where Hillary's kind of like, wait, you know, this Obama guy thinks he's cutting the line, which is exactly how it's treated in the book. And so if you read the follow-up to it, you realize that, because it's like we used to give Van Pelt shit for fighting with people on Twitter all the time. And we started doing a segment on it called Scott Van Pelt Twitter Fights. And we would we wouldn't tell him ahead of time. I would play the role of the of the troll, and then we would have our producer behind the glass read Van Pelt's tweets. And we had this intro, and we wouldn't tell him we were doing it. And I don't know if there's anything he's ever been involved with on the air that he's hated more than this, because he fucking hated it. But we were trying to do it to be like, dude, you're, you're fighting with a 14-year-old JV you know, corner from Michigan. Right. You were were arguing with him about this. And he, he hates when I do this, but I'm just, I'm making, I'm making an analogy here. I remember saying at one point as if, you know, and certainly I'm not perfect either. um, I would be like, why would you fight with these guys? Like who gives a shit, dude, who gives a shit? But every now and then you have that moment where you want to say something because they strike a nerve and some people um, keep it going and other people kind of get their swipe and then move on. Right. 
So here's Durant doing it, making 200 plus million. He's going to be first ballot Hall of Fame, all these things. He's got the rings. Um, maybe he needs rings more on his terms in Golden State to be validated in his own mind or the other critics, which is a different topic, but we understand that. So like, why would you be doing it? You go back to game change and then our most recent president prior to Biden and Trump where they're obsessed with how they're being treated on social media. So if the guys running the most important country in the world are getting pissed off because of a segment on a news channel or don't like a headline or a breakout on a tweet, then who are any of us to tell anybody? I personally wouldn't do it because I've never gone like, hey, I'm psyched. This was an awesome use of time. I've never said that ever getting into it with anybody on Twitter. And I try to right. ne- almost never do it. Not saying, you know, maybe I will every now and then, but you get the point. But I, I, I think he comes at it comes at it from an angle of like he's defending himself and it's like you don't have to defend yourself like okay yeah people say to you maybe you you know you didn't earn the ring the way people expect you to earn a ring but like people know you're a top you know one two three player in the league you got the contract like you don't need to defend yourself to people random no names like that's what's shocking to me but Uh, the barkley stuff though i think tnt really screws with guys heads explain and this will be the headline. Uh, no, it's not. I, look, I love the show. Barkley's my favorite athlete ever. And my favorite thing about Barkley is that he was always the same. So good, bad, and indifferent, whatever. Like you just always knew what you're getting with him. And he's, he said exactly how he felt. You know, So a guy that became my favorite athlete was in a weird way kind of inspiring the way I always wanted to be on the air. Like this is exactly how I feel. This is exactly how I'm off the air. And I'm the same person. Um but I'm, you know, not nearly as uh, good at Barkley at anything probably that he's ever done. So, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, I think he pushed himself and I think he came back because he got sick of being called soft essentially on that show over and over and over again. And the show is so popular and the social media team with that group. I mean, the office mashup that they did with that Nets team, that stuff was That's absolutely so brilliant. Brilliant yeah. stuff. Like mm-hmm. really good. Didn't You know, people want to execute that stuff. It's, it's rare the, the crew that can keep doing it over and over again. And, you know, Durant has some argument in the Barkley part of this. Like, well, you teamed up with Houston at the end and you're getting on my ass to chase rings. And Barkley's counter to that would be, you did it in your prime to go to Golden State. I was at the end of, like, Barkley was basically done at that point, except for a couple more years. But the platform of that show, and then I think so many players watch it, and then it's these guys that are ripping them. um, I think it really messes with players' heads. So I think that's why it happens. Yeah. I had Kenny Smith on the pod last week and we talked about um, how they, and it was, I had written this at the time when the Timberwolves won the play in and they got mocked by the crew on TNT there for their celebration. Even Ernie Johnson got in on mocking them, which, you know, usually he's more neutral than Switzerland. And what I told Kenny is I I think what gives them even more, the credibility of the show is obviously off the charts because that ended up becoming a big story with everyone weighing in on whether the Timberwolves over-celebrated a playing game. I love the fact, and I think you would appreciate this too, like I like that they don't apologize ever. Like they could have easily said, oh, you know what, we were a little hard on the Timberwolves, let them celebrate, they haven't had much success. No, they don't do that. And that is what I think gives the show even more credibility. I know that's what I love about the show too. Like don't apologize for nonsense. Don't apologize when you don't mean it. It is you don't have to apologize because you said, you know, they should be playing one shining moment for the Timberwolves. So I, I and I think that, you know, that gives that show even more credibility. 
It does, and it's also unique in the world of of these shows. Like these other shows that always look at the TNT show as the template for like, hey, that's the right way to do it. Be like, okay, have you noticed anything? They come back and they just bullshit. You know, some of these other shows I watch, I'm like, what are you doing? Like the pace is way too fast. You change the pieces over and over and over again. You never let it bake. I mean, that's a big thing in radio all the time. It's like you kind of give some radio shows sometimes like two plus years to figure out what you actually have. And I know that may sound crazy, but you can't constantly change the pieces over and over and over again. Like these sitcoms on their last legs, their last seasons where they do these crossovers. You know, like when we were kids growing up, you're like, oh, this show is desperate for (laughs) storylines. Like they brought up, you know what I mean? Like one of these random neighbors that just moved in. And and some of these pregame and – and post-game shows, like the pieces are constantly changing. And honestly, I think they're so worried of being as being seen as negative that it, it could feel a little cheerleady at times too. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I'm not saying across the board. Like I, I'll use game day as an example. When Kirk Herbstreet is going to be critical of something, I'm like, whoa, okay, here we go. Like this mean this this means something. So I'm not saying I want it to be negative, but I also don't want it to be praise across the board because everybody's worried about relationships or some former coach that's hoping to get hired again. Um, yeah. You know, a guy that played with this guy, so then he's always caping for him and then trashing whoever they played against. I mean, there's some really obvious roles where I could be like, oh, well, you're doing this because of this, this, and this. TNT just comes back and they go, you guys go. And, you know, Ernie being a host that's successful enough to be over it, which is kind of a rare thing to find where you'll have a younger host who's kind of like fine. Like a lot of times the hosting thing, when I first came to ESPN, like the hosting was like, don't talk. I mean, the first two shows, Jimmy, I had on ESPN radio, they were like, hey, we'd love it if you could talk less. (laughs) You're like, I'm a fucking talk show host. On radio, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Like one of the famous ones with Van Pelt was, we don't need you to talk less. We just need Scott to talk more. And it was already like... You know, I was like, whoa, all right. So as the host, Ernie's over over it. And he knows what he's trying to do and prop everybody up. He's not he's not trying to offer in stuff. And they they've developed a chemistry that so many other shows aren't able to do because they're constantly trying to change it overnight. Yeah. I think we also take for granted too just what they can get away with. I mean, they came on I think it was after the Net Celtics. Right. It was the Net Celtics when they fouled out Tatum on that ridiculous the play. inbounds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they came, you know, before the Durant stuff started, when they first went to the studio, Barkley said that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. There is a 0% chance you'd ever hear that comment on an NFL telecast. Like Troy Aikman, will, he'll say the refs missed a call and he'll do it in a, a little bit of a cutting way. You will never hear anyone on an NFL studio show say that was the worst officiated game I've ever seen. Goodell would call them in about three seconds. Yeah, there's definitely freedom there. And here's the other part of it, too, is if you're, you're like, I feel this way about anybody like that's public. If you're yourself long enough, then it's almost like everybody else catches up to you. And Barkley has been himself long enough that even when you're critical of, of his criticism or you disagree or whatever, it doesn't it doesn't shock you. You've accepted you've been doing it such a long time. You know, Kenny, Kenny kind of has a different role on that. But, you know, I think Chuck is the star and, and Shaq has developed into um, somebody that's totally comfortable. Because I thought, you know, Shaq in the beginning, it felt like he was maybe competing a little bit with Charles and, and Shaq's looking at it as like, right. you know, okay, you used to be the star as a former player, but my resume is greater than yours. So, you know, maybe I should be the star here. And whatever it is, I think it all kind of worked out. And it's hard to find that. You know, it's, it's somebody who's worked on a bunch of different shows, they're there are egos that are involved. It's like once, it's almost like older NBA players that haven't won like, hey, I made all my money. I have the single accolades, but I haven't won yet, so I need to sacrifice here a little bit more. And these shows, 
they're they're so successful that they don't need to prove anything to anybody right. either. So they're they're very good in their role. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Do you have a favorite NBA current play-by-play guy it's pretty deep i was thinking about this the other day uh i tweet i tweeted that the other i tweeted last week or two weeks ago espn with breen dave pash who i think is so underrated um mark jones ian eagle ian's tnt with and they've got harlan and ryan anderson they brought gus back I'm leaving someone out though from ESPN. It's oh Ryan Rucco, who I think Rucco's is great. great. Yeah, yeah. The Nets are I just mean, loaded. Well, the Net, yeah, Richard Jefferson. Their both. broadcast team is is deeper than the basketball team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, both networks. Are, Did you are say Brian really Anderson? St- I said Brian Anderson for okay. TNT. Yeah, yeah. They're both stacked. They're really, really stacked with great play by play folks. It's it's really deep, and it's yeah. kind of one of those things where. You want to talk negative versus positive. It rare you're like, man, this is amazing. How many great announcers we have? It's just immediately yeah. like, I can't believe uh, how bad this guy is, or you know what this guy doesn't watch any of the games, and all this different yeah, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you know, there's some of the local guys. Like I really like Adam and Mean with Chicago Bulls. I've always thought Sean Grandy on radio with the Celtics is terrific. Uh, his yeah. call of Game One at the end uh, when Kyrie was having this incredible yeah. game, but it was clear that Kyrie like wanted to shut that crowd up so bad on that last possession that he was going to just go ISO and he, he kind of screwed it up and Grandy's able to give you these in the moment, super dramatic moment while also observing a real basketball thing as it's happening that he's like, he wants this one. And you're like, that's, that's the stuff where you're like, this guy is special. I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to get on here and be like, all right, I'm going to go do the five guys. I think that suck. Um, no, there are, it's a really, really deep. I mean, obviously, I watch all these games, and I'm consistently impressed with how deep it is on both sides with this. But uh, if you were going to say color analyst, Jeff Van Gundy is still my favorite. Oh so. yeah, Jeff is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm with you on that one. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about Breen the other. I, watching one of the games that Breen was doing with Van Gundy and Jackson. I'm thinking to myself, Mike Breen is called like the last. It's like 14, 15, 16, 17 finals, maybe even more than that. You know, he's the voice of the NBA calls the finals, top voice of ESPN. 
And I know he's a New Yorker through and through, but the fact that this guy has still not given up and still calls regular season Knicks game, Knicks games, when this team has been pure shit for about 25 years, is uh, I, I, if I were him, I'd be like, I've had enough of this with the Knicks, but he keeps doing it. He keep, I guess it's the love of what you do, but Mike Green is above the Knicks. That's my point. He may just still love it, as you said, but yeah. I'll, I'll never get when I was trying to break in. I'd be like, why does this guy need four jobs? Like, right, why does this right. guy have three jobs? This guy's got a radio yeah. show, and then he's like a featured guy in this TV thing, and he's doing post game for this team, and you're just like, you know, if everybody just did one job, more of us would have a, uh, have a chance. And then you start to learn, no, no, this is this is what it is. Everybody's always freaked out about – I don't think Breen should be freaked out about his own survival. And right, you do right, get right. to a point where you're kind of hoping, like, can I be on the air less and get paid more? Yeah. As uh, one legendary analyst told me once, he's like, yeah, ESPN just paid me even more to stop doing this. And the way the math works for me, if they want to pay me more to work less, I'll do it. And they put his feet up on the on the desk. Oh, I would love to know like what this. that is. Um. Yeah, I'm probably not going to tell you. But it wasn't. Okay. It, he wasn't wrong about it. He wasn't wrong. Right, so, right. You know, I don't know. Maybe Breen just looks at it going, just a national schedule isn't enough. I mean, some people do right. like working, you know? Uh, yeah, but not with the Knicks. Um, <laughs> let's get to some specifics, and we'll talk about a couple other things. Um, I hate that Embiid and Booker are injured. I, I'd love those teams to be at full capacity. I mean, Booker will be back, and Embiid's just going to fight through it. But I hate when the top guys are hurt during the playoffs because you want to see it play out properly give me um give me a little prediction on who's coming out of the east and west i thought it was phoenix the whole time just because i almost feel like phoenix in a weird way whether it's chris paul's history which is at times i think fair and then unfair with the criticism in the playoffs because i've always kind of joked like he's the ultimate winner to me that hasn't won um, but I know how it works. Maybe from a further distance, it's like, well, if you haven't won, you haven't won, and that means you're a loser. And I, well, he's I not. He's that, not Bob Cousy either. No, Cousy's just taking strays everywhere. You know, Cousy's first season was six years after fucking World War II ended. All right, can we relax? Can we relax on the Bob Cousy slander? But look, he's an old guy. He played for the Celtics. But, That's just not cool. I, don't I know you what, think? Don't you think JJ? If you watch that clip. I think I think what went through his mind is either I'm going to hurl a punch and knock Mad Dog in the face, or I'm just going to have to disparage Bob Cousy. Like he he the, he was so exasperated in that clip, which made for great TV. But you know the plumbers and what was it? Plumbers and firemen. I mean that was that was strong. That was strong. I don't. I'm always. Uh, I actually like. I, so I sometimes I frame this. Uh, in the wrong way where I'll say I'm always kind of confused on what to do with timelines because you could say, all right, like he joked about some player and, and I, or Kyrie Irving going in a time machine. I, I've done this before where I said, if you put Eddie house in a time machine and had him play in the fifties, there would be statues of Eddie house outside of every single basketball arena in the United States, because you'd just be like, what? So that's, that's totally fair. You're right. Like you watch the video of anything that you get your hands on and you go, no, like, this this is not as impressive. This is the evolution of people. This is the, like think about skateboard tricks and right. snowboarding and all of these things. It's 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 very clear the amount of shot makers, all these things. It's real, but you also can't be so entirely dismissive of previous generations as if they're all just peons. And I also think JJ was going. I didn't have a biggest problem with JJ because I kind of knew what was happening. It was first take. Uh, Mad Dog comes out of nowhere. Where I didn't know when what when were you actually hired to be PR for first take? You and Marshan. Um, pretty much as soon as dog signed his contract, 
That was it. It was a joint deal. <laughs> as he soon as on, Mad Dog's, my feed yeah. is just you and Marchand, just constant Mad yeah. Dog. Yeah. He goes on his Sirius XM radio show and calls me his fifth child, which I, I'm trying to explain to him. No, I cover media. So when you're on TV doing crazy shit, I sort of have to let people. But also, it's, you know, it's a New York thing. And yeah, the I, New York listen, thing is more than Because yeah, if he was from L.A. 30 years, right. 30 if years he, I've listened to this guy. If he was just a, a guy from L.A. or Milwaukee or something and you guys were in New York, you'd be trashing him. You'd be like, who is this guy? Oh, well, I, I so when I tweet those videos, I get all these people. You got to stop. I'm unfollowing you. ESPN <laughs> needs to stop making Mad Dog happen. No one finds it's funny. How do you watch this? But but it's like. I don't have the patience to go explain to people that I've listened to this guy. And listen, say whatever you want about him. I've said this a million times. I'll just say it one more time. It's not an act. That's why I appreciate it. If it was an act, I, you know, if it was the other guy who makes stuff, you know, like tries to like make this fake fight with LeBron James about everything he does. Like that is so, like, he believes everything he says. So, and he just has this ridiculous and warped way of looking at sports. I don't care about the take. Like, like I don't care if he thinks Chris Paul is the best point guard, the tenth best point guard, or the one thousandth. I couldn't care less. I have my own opinion of Chris Paul. Entertain me, make me laugh, be a lunatic, and I enjoy it. And that's kind of the lesson of all of this is that he comes on and throws like <laughs> gasoline on it. He's not going to sit across from Stephen A. and feel like he's not deserving because Stephen A. kind of builds up this idea of like no one is worthy of sitting in that chair across from me, which is. You know, I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah. That show is never anything that I would ever want to do the way it's done. But I also know that I'm wrong. Like, I'm the idiot. I'm the one that's getting it wrong. It is about entertainment. Is it about those guys screaming at each other? And right. it, was, it was an absurd thing for Dog to say to JJ, because JJ's talking about Chris Paul being one of the greatest point guards ever, which is true. And then to jump in and say, hey, what about Bob Cousy? Yeah. That's where I think JJ was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back at you and, and destroy this. So I get why JJ did it. I just feel like this been, there's been this <clears throat> default position that Bob Cousy is like some historical joke. His first season was 1951. Right. You know, I'm sorry I didn't have the Iverson down. You know what I mean? And by the right. way, guys weren't allowed to carry the basketball the way you can now, which I'm pro carrying because it actually allows the athletes to unlock more of that athleticism. But there's a line of disrespect that I'll accept. Um, but nobody would go back. Like, should people be shitting on Tony Hawk because he could only do a 720? And again, I don't know I don't what mean, his full. I don't know what Tony Hawk's max rotation was on a vert ramp. But I'm just making a point. Like, we we honored these guys because they were the pioneers and they were doing stuff in their time that was the best, and that can't be dismissed. Yeah, I, I think it's even worse with football. Like, how you can compare football? I don't even think you can compare football from the 80s and 90s to today. It, you it's, can't. Just totally, yeah. You just can't, but everyone does it. So I mean, listen, that's part. You know, we it's part of our gigs is to do these dumb comparisons. But look, ask ask a quarterback you trust. Ask a guy that you know, like because I think the NBA has a real weird disconnect of a certain era of like twenty plus years ago, whatever you want to book in the years that has this constant disrespect of today's players, which is crazy to me. All right, totally crazy. Uh, You know, people want to act like it was so hard and all this shit, and it's like you know the actual square footage that you had to defend back then. Yeah, it was more packed because you didn't have to stretch out. So you can look at stuff and say, oh, well, look at all the space. And yeah, they review elbows, which drives me crazy. But the, to be dismissive of today's generation of NBA players is a joke. Right. But if you talk to a quarterback that you really trust and they, they'll be like, look, the shit over the middle, the rules, 
the it, it is real. This isn't dismissive of today's generation. It's just yeah. that the quarterback receiver connection that those two positions. It's a completely different game, and I believe that when I listen to some of the older guys. Oh, uh, totally. And I will say this: you know, we all watch the NFL now, and every Sunday we watch it, and we think the the penalties are way over the top. You can't touch anybody. The receivers get a free pass to do this, this, and that, and we all complain and bitch and moan. Then I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch some highlight from like you know 1978, where the linebacker basically commits a felony on the receiver going over the middle, and you're like. I, I get why they don't want that. It's, 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 you know, you want the big hit and then, but you also don't want the guy getting decapitated. It, you have some of those clips. It's crazy that that stuff was allowed. Um, but then just trying to take the quarterback out, you know what I mean? Like the body right, right. blow approach in boxing where it's like, Hey, make sure we just maul him even after the ball is out. And it's yeah. good that that's not in there. I mean, right, this, this right. game, if we were on backup quarterbacks for half the league, by week seven, it wouldn't be good for the league. So I'm okay with that, but it's also okay to admit that it's just a little bit easier to play the position now. Right, absolutely. And this all started with me asking who's going to be in the NBA Finals. All right, so I got the Suns still. The Booker thing's a little alarming. I have a very high ceiling, you know, re-ceiling. You know, our our team over here at HQ, is we the guys that cover the Warriors, we've asked to just update the numbers with them because there's just a hard part. Of, it's really hard for me to quit on them. And I've gone back and forth with this Boston team in Milwaukee because I feel like I got to give Milwaukee the benefit of the doubt. I've watched the same Boston group for years be super disappointing, be soft. I think they were 100 and 100 over 200 games in a regular season in the playoffs. Even their home broadcast, which is not very critical, admitted that these guys didn't really love each other in January. And now they are like locked in. So from what I've seen, Boston feels like the favorite. It's just very hard to get past the, the Giannis part of this where he's just impossible to deal with at times. But yeah. the Middleton injury, like you're like the injury thing, we've already got Booker, we've got Embiid, we've got Middleton, we had Doncic before. Like we're probably right, due okay. for a couple more that alter the course of the playoffs. And unfortunately, that's what happens. Yeah. Um yeah, I wouldn't be down. Milwaukee I'd rather I I would love to see Golden State get in there. I think when they do this when they have Clay, Steph and Poole on the court at the same time, it's that's the most fun that's going on right now, I think, in the NBA. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a yeah. nice reminder. There's still a lot. That was kind of the approach is we're just going to try to throw these four guards out there if you throw in Wiggins around Draymond. Oh. But the Phoenix size thing scares me a little. I don't know if that would wear Draymond down over seven. Um, but we also have to be realistic, too. Like Sometimes I'll look at size, advantages, disadvantages and go, okay, but it's not like you're going to throw it in the post to Aiton on 50 possessions and run your offense through him on the elbow or the low block. It's just not the way anybody plays anymore. And as much as I do like Aiton and I do, I think unfortunately his ceiling, uh, he just needs to hang on to the basketball more. I mean, he was doing it again last night. Yeah, last night he had a couple. He's not consistent enough with the ball in his hand, so it's also kind of hard to to go, hey, well, we're going to alter everything we we do. I mean, Phoenix is going to still run what they run, maybe a little bit more post touches, but some of the smaller teams, specifically the Warriors, that feel like they have these size disadvantages in today's game, on paper, I'd probably end up being more worried about in reality of how, how the game plays out. I, I Like I said, I've been into the playoffs and watching all the games every night. Um, but I will say I do miss watching LeBron. And it's not a Laker thing. I don't care about the Lakers, and I understand they have all these problems. I'm just about LeBron specifically. I do miss it. Um is that a? Am I? Should I just get over it and move on with my life? 
No, I'm I'm with. I said the same thing. I said I yeah. missed it, but yeah. it was going to be ugly. I mean, if they got oh, in, oh yeah, 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 it would have been very bad. But I'm just saying, I him in the postseason is, I think, still a special thing. Um, but who knows when that's going to happen? Again. Yeah, I mean, he was the best. He was the best bet in team sports for a decade. <clears throat> right, right. So, right. I, I, but I feel like people got away. I don't. Want, I don't want to get into this. I really. But I'm just going because of some off court stuff politics whatever so many people turned on him and it's like if you still can't watch this guy and understand that he's doing things nobody has ever done before on the court because you know whatever china uh, you know i don't know you got to compartmentalize that stuff i think but i still love watching him play i don't care what he does politically uh i also as i said that out loud i guess you can make an argument that brady's been the best bet in team sports between the two uh brady and LeBron, yeah without a yeah, doubt i don't know I don't know. I don't know that I would feel like, hey, I'm going to argue this the whole time. Um, it just probably depends on whether or not you like Brady, hate Brady, or the vice versa right. with LeBron. So. Right. Uh, which sport has the worst rest, NBA or NFL? College basketball. College basketball. I'm going to take something off the board. I'm sorry. I like that, but you have to explain why. It's so bad. Like, we think charges are bad. Now, I, I could uh, – I know as a talk show host, as, you, as, as you're well aware, I can give you the short version. I usually end up giving you the long version. Yeah. But I hate charges with an absurd passion. I've thought about quitting, just <laughs> giving up on my entire career and just working for like going to youth sports, handing out pamphlets, you know, ban the charge, ban the charge. You get guys trying to take charges in fucking pickup games, which I think you should be banned from the city if you do that, uh, that, you, that you play pickup games in. So... I hate it. I hate it. But the problem is, is that it is so weighted towards the offense at the NBA level for the offensive player to have an advantage, whether it's this James Harden shit where he grabs your arm and tangles right. it and then throws and the layup you. in. And for whatever reason, like people can't figure it out. I would say this is about NBA analysts. Why is it that the former players are so bad at pointing out when the guy is clearly like Jay Crowder landing forward to land into the defender and then the analyst is like oh he's in the landing area uh i wish that zaza patrulia Kawhi play never happened because now we just have guys landing forward so harden does a million things he does the off-arm chuck but he he disguises it a little bit better uh trey young's bullshit where he dribbles right into your hip and then throws his arms up in the air and flail so they can carry like, like Giannis as much as i love him I, what are you supposed to do when he's carrying the basketball and he kind of right. gets into that third free step and then puts his shoulder into your chest plate and then he finishes a layup and gets an and one and everybody's yeah. looking around going, all right, so we've established that the advantage is to the offensive player. That's why I actually kind of pivoted back on the NBA going, if a couple bad chargers are called here or there, I might be okay with it now because the advantage is so absurd. Now, as I get all my draft prep going and I'll watch, you know, 60, 70 guys and I'll go through all the college stuff on all the, cause I just like doing it. The college charge is so much worse than any NBA fan could possibly imagine. It makes you pine for NBA coverage and it has to be cause college refs love being able to do it. Like people have joked about maybe the charge call should be something. <laughs> I don't know who said this first. It's not my idea. So I, right. I like to give credit. I just don't know who said it first, Yeah, yeah. but the, should the charge call, <laughs> be something that makes you look like an asshole so that that way it's not as cool as pointing the other way and then guys will be less likely to call. I mean, right. It is not hard as a defensive player to get in front of a ball handler, have the contact initiated by him and for me to fall down. I could do it all the time. That kid from Wisconsin, I think should be denied a scholarship because it's so gross to watch. 
I'm not anti-kids. I'm not even anti-Wisconsin. I'm just anti-basketball being played in that way and then being celebrated as if it's like, oh my God, look at this hustle. So do you want want the charge banned, eliminated? Maybe at the youth level and through college, but in the NBA, if you're going to call every single thing that Trey and Harden do, then I'm okay with a couple bad charges every now and then. It was very... Go back and watch anything, as much as I don't always like doing this. To... When Bill and I, we didn't have any basketball during the pandemic. We had when when you know the, the season was suspended. We went back and watched all these Bulls series, and we did every week. We did a different Bulls series. Uh, it was a great reminder of what Jordan was capable of doing when nobody else could get to his level at the end of a game where everybody was exhausted. He just had another gear and it another kind of confirmed, gear. Yeah, it, it kind of confirmed my MJ Lebron thing. Even though I could make an argument, I think Lebron may be more well-rounded, more talented player, but I right. still take MJ. The fact that a charge you had to, you had to be in position you had to be established somebody had to like run you over without maybe even realizing what was happening uh and then people didn't complain every single call uh and some of these guys you know they should just stop reaching but that's that's a different topic yeah. so yeah college well, basketball mean, charges are the worst yeah um <clears throat> yeah I'm, I'm like that old school knicks fan from the you know the knicks heat knicks bulls those you know 82 78 series where Everyone was flying all over and there were no charges called. So, um, But no one wants to go back to that era, that's for sure. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let me ask you here, uh, a couple of things about just podcasting and media before we wrap up. I'm just curious, as because you are one of the top podcasters in the world, wildly successful podcast, the Ryan Russell podcast. I, I sort of, every single day when I'm scrolling through Twitter, someone else announces a new podcast. And not just new podcasts, but like daily podcasts and and this has been an ongoing joke for a long time that everyone has a podcast. I thought it would eventually maybe like slow down and weed out. I cannot believe every day there's like thousands of new people starting new podcasts. Like what's with this industry right now? Where do we stand? Is it too much? Is it let everyone do what they want? I, I get it. I don't know. I'm not at the point where I'm like, how, how is this? How does this just keep going where everyone gets a new podcast every day? It proves that everybody wanted to be on the air at some point. That's true. That's true. 
That's true. And I remember my first on-air job after the minor league baseball thing. So I worked at a radio station in Boston that was a great opportunity. I got my thousands of hours. If you believe in that or not, I believe in it, at least for being on the air, learning, you know, some of the instincts, the internal stuff that you kind of have to develop. Like, does this topic suck? Maybe we pivot. It takes a little while. Uh, and some people never figure that out. But there would always be a producer that kind of was like, you know, I could fill in or, or they would, they would hit the talk. <laughs> they would hit the talk button. Right. You know, you're sitting there and breaking down a Celtics thing and the guy would like get in there like this. And then I remember too, at the station, they were like, Hey, do you want to, cause you know, I wasn't making any money. I was making like 25 grand. It was bad. Things were rough. Those, those first, first half of the career. And, uh, they're like, you know, we could, we could train you to run the board and get you some other hours. And I knew I was like, if you train and you know how to run the board and then there's like a shift that's open an on air shift, a fill in shift that's open. And they're like, all right, we got a board shift open and an on air shift open. And they're like, Oh, Rosillo knows how to do both. We're like, all right, he'll be on the board and the other guy will be on the air. I was like, I told him, I was like, I never want to learn how to use any of this stuff. Right. And I don't, and right. I don't know how to use any smart, of it. very right. smart, right. very but, smart. Whether it was, and then some weird things started happening at ESPN is, is you would get guys that would have jobs behind the scenes. Like I remember there was a group of three guys and I liked them, but I think they released their own podcast on their own time and then put it in the ESPN feed. And somebody in management was like, wait, what the fuck is this? That, that was before anyone knew anything about podcasts. That's a nobody smart really, move right there. Nobody smart really knew move. what's going on. Right. You're like, wait. So yeah. when you had a radio show, Oh, maybe a television simulcab, whatever. Yeah. That meant somebody picked you. Somebody at some point, whether they were right or wrong, and you deserved it, didn't deserve it, they picked you to go, you get a show. And now you don't have to have anybody pick you. And so when I tell younger people about the industry, like I felt like the line was way longer than it is today to get to where you want, but it right. was far more narrow. Where now the line is shorter because you could just figure something out. You could make it pop. You can have a connection to somebody. Like you can be on the air tomorrow if you want to be on the air. And that's not how it worked for me. I had to have one person be dumb enough to go, all right, we'll have you do some baseball games. Yet that wide, that that line is so wide. It's so wide. So yeah. I don't care. I don't care if there's, everybody's doing it. I, re, I really don't care. It doesn't change anything. I have to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I think some people see the money at the top end. And then think, well, shit, like I'm famous. Yeah. I'm, I have an audience. I'll be able to do this. And it's like, okay, there's a different thing between launching it and being excited after four weeks and then going, are you going to have something to say? Do you know how to map it out? Are you going to have any kind of plan? And is it going to retain listeners? Is it going to keep growing? Well, that, that's a completely different thing. That's, you just hit it. It's the continual need to grow listeners. That's, it's not just about put on the mic and talk about sports, which I think so many people is the, the, the battle for listeners is I think way more intense than people understand. It's you really, it, no, I don't, you know, I was lucky that I had 15 years at ESPN. Okay. Right. So right. if I were launching a podcast as a 25 year old bartender, when mm -hmm. I first got started, I think my first on air job, I was 26. My first job in the industry, I was 26. Uh, and I started a podcast in my apartment going, hey, man, can you believe these Sonics? You know, I, I don't, it's very hard to get that traction. It's very hard to figure that out. So I was luckily already armed with probably a decent awareness of what I had done because I'd been at ESPN for such a long time. So it's a little right. different. But I think the money that we're seeing at the top end, real quick here, mm. is proof that, you know, whether it's a cowherd or a Mike and Mike, you go back to those years, those guys were underpaid. They were underpaid at ESPN. 
I'm not going to put myself into that group um, right. because I was not at their level when I was there. I just wasn't. Right. Uh, I knew I had an audience. I knew the billing did well, but I wasn't those guys because I also, you know, like they were, they were promoted and treated as rock because they deserved it. But right. the counter to ESPN would always be like, yeah, you do great, but we could probably just put somebody else on ESPN radio's morning slot and then simulcast it on ESPN too. And they'd probably get good numbers too. And that was always the argument. And it was actually a very impossible argument to counter. Right. Podcasting proves that it doesn't matter what the platform is. It's about you. And that's why I think you're seeing some people at the top crush it in ways financially we've never seen before in the traditional ways because you yeah. always were told that it was the platform and it wasn't you. I also think, though, I think a lot of people are getting into it now because it's so big. I don't, from talking to a lot of people, I don't think they grasp the work that goes into it. Now, I, listen, I do a podcast once a week. I'm not, this has nothing to do with me. But when you talk, but when you see the people who are at the top, whether it's you, whether it's Bill, whether it's part of my take, whether it's McAfee, whether it's Chris Long, who, who, who we both <clears throat> are friends with, these guys all work really, really hard. They're not just flipping on a microphone and speaking. There is so much other stuff that goes into it. And I think a lot of people who start the pods now don't understand that. Like those guys are maybe they're making the money and maybe they have some advantages here and there. I mean, you know, Max is an NFL player that help you get, he's, you know, he's able to. Yeah, he's also walk on look, his a co-host, McAfee, and then he's able to get Aaron Rodgers. Like there is a there is some yeah, but but he he, he also has like right. He also like McAfee. When you turn it on, you know you're hearing something different. All right? right, there's an energy. Like I knew when I first started hearing about him and seeing him, I was like, ah, ESPN's gonna you know back up the truck for this guy because there's an energy that just it's it's. You know, I've always got criticized a lot in my career because it felt like, oh, he, his energy is too low. It's not where it needs to be. And I'm like, no, no. My point is like when I'm excited or disappointed, you're going to know because right. it's off of whatever the baseline is. Right. But and, don't you think McAfee wouldn't work as well at ESPN? There'd be too many rules and restrictions. No, he's better. He's better with obviously. Yeah, it really yeah. worked out. But yeah. he... I would have, I, you know, I think a lot of people in his position would have been like, wait, but I, you know, I'd heard rumors about what it was that he was going to be offered and all these different things. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not yeah. trying to get in the other guy's pocket here. Yeah. We all know that it worked out for him and it's better for him to have the freedom both financially and creatively with it. But the work part of it, I, I know, you know, I'm behind part of my take and bill. I am, uh, you know, deep down, am I competitive enough to go, will I ever pass those guys? I'd like to, but I don't know. And I'm obviously very close with everybody involved in it too. So I'm, I'm happy. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm happy. I'm not like looking at it going, all right, I'm, I'm catching up. I'm going to beat him. Or what do I, what do I need to do when I'm here? But I do know this, that I know how hard Bill works and how hard those guys work. And like, I haven't not had an episode release in over, I don't know, two plus years, two and a half years. Like I have never had, I don't think I've had a week go where I haven't given you something um, cause I haven't really taken any, like I, I've gone away a couple times, but I had something done ahead of time. Cause I'm worried about, Oh, what if I go dark for a week? What if I go dark for 10 days? And even though this is still way easier than radio and certainly solo radio, uh, because you're on the hour, you know, you're on the air 15 hours a week. I still put in the same amount of prep time for the mm -hmm. podcast as I did for a single radio show, whether it's the interviews, monologues or stuff we do at the end. So it's insane to me to hear that you have that mentality about taking a week off. Because I know the other not, guys aren't, and I'm not either. I just right, and I'm not. You know, if I were, if I were beating everybody in the country, would I go? Oh, I finally did it. 
No, I'd probably just move the goalposts on myself again because then I'd go like, all right, well, who's ahead of me in overall? And I, you know, I'm not suggesting that at some point a sports podcast with some funny life advice at the end is going to surpass the New York Times. But I know where I am in overall categories for all genres. And when I see, you know, if I have a really good episode and a really good interview and we do something cool at the top and you see it start creeping up with some of these massive names in media, you're like, holy shit, you know? And so it can kind of motivate you again. And that's that, you, that. Go ahead. Do you ever do a pod? You think it's a great pod, great interview. Can't wait for people to listen to it. And maybe it doesn't do what you expect. And then oh, yeah. how, do you, how do you handle that? Happens all the that time. happens to me sometimes. Yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. Cause you have to, it's, it, it doesn't matter how good it is. If the people don't click in you're there's nothing you can do about it. Like that's what sucks about it. You know what I always thought though, like is, is if you're going to do well, ultimately it has to be because of you, you know, you can have the best interviews, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like, all right, let me ask you this, Jimmy. Did you like Mike and the mad dog? on an open segment or an interview better? Open segment. Right. Cowherd. Open monologue or interview? I never listened to it. I mean, I'm not a fan okay. of his, so it's a bad example. But it's always, it's I, interviews. Are, I enjoy an interview. But see, like with Bill. Were I you a Rome guy? No, I was Mike and the Mad Dog. That was it. You okay. know. All right. I well, do this like exercise Bill's- sort of worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I do. No, but I think like Bill, it, I love the interviews. Part of my take, I love the interviews because they're di- part of my takes doing interviews that no one else can do. Yeah, people like what part of my take did is they finally did the version of the interviews everybody else always wanted to do, right. but none of us who could do it right. certainly couldn't do it at Disney. And so, not right. only do they have a platform, those guys are super talented, they're very smart, they're quick as hell. Yeah. And it's kind of like the Stern thing where once you sign up to go on with them, now they have this advantage because they've built the foundation of when you come on with us. We're going to fuck with you a little bit more, and we're gonna, and that's why. I mean, there's a billion reasons why they they do as well as they do, but I've always felt like that's kind of at their core. They finally gave the audience the thing they always wanted right. the rest of us to do, and we could just never do it. Right. And not saying yeah. if we were allowed to, we pull it off as or execute it as well as them too. Because I don't want to sound like I'm dismissive yeah. of what they pulled off. No, no, hundred percent. They they do it better than anyone, and you know it's and that's I think goes back to McAfee where. It's so great when you don't, you know, and you have this with Bill where you're not working for an ESPN and SI and CBS and NBC and you can, and you're not tied in with leagues. I think when you're tied in with leagues, that's a big problem. So, um, that uh, freedom- but, uh, look, the ESPN, there was way more freedom, man, to criticize than, than people realize. Like I, I read and heard so many people say, oh, well, when you've done this, maybe some people, you know, felt that way, the relationship. I'm I'm sure there are examples of it clearly happening, whether it's a a reporter with an agent or a team or something, or you're doing them a favor for back-end information, all these different kinds of things. When you were doing what we were doing, Scott and I, Colin, Mike and Mike, you know, it was was on the person to decide if they wanted to do that. Because at the times when we were critical about other stuff, you know, this this idea that we could call them principal's office, like when people would hear about it publicly, it didn't well, happen. Well, Bill did. Yeah, but Bill Bill called Goodell a liar and like right. kind of doubled down on it. It was almost right. like he was daring somebody to mess with him. I, right. I, he's right. never talked to me about it, but that's yeah. how it sounded because I know him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but see what I mean? Like that becomes, because that was the headline and that was accepted as the norm. And oh, look, I don't work there anymore. It's been two and a half years. Right. ESPN 
was far more relaxed with this stuff than people realize on the outside. That's good to know. That's good to know. All right, last thing. I said, I told you, I said, no, no controversies this time. Sometimes okay. if you come on, there's some hollow bloke. I'm going to ask you one, con- I'm going to just throw something out there because I want to discuss it. And if you, but if you don't want to get into it, but I have to say this because it's been going on all week, it has nothing to do with sports. People's reaction to Elon Musk buying Twitter. Yeah is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. And God, I hope he shuts it down, but we know that's not going to happen. But if he shut it down, it would be the greatest thing that ever happened. But people need to relax. People are acting like this is the end of society. I I don't understand. I don't understand how we've gotten to this point that Elon Musk buying Twitter is cause for like, you know, a code red in this country. Can we all just calm down and relax? All right. Uh... (laughs) Do you want to go there? No, no. I, well, this is to me. This is tame. This is totally tame. But okay. it's it depends on what preconceived notions you have about me. If you're listening to this, you think like, oh, you know, he's going to go all in on Musk because he's like he's psyched about free speech now. Um, I think people are irrationally freaked out about this. I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I, I obviously I he's understand. not going to. I don't understand the reasons for the irrational freak out. Like people are like, oh, he's going to let Trump back on Twitter. Okay, so Trump's back on Twitter. Like your life's not going to, like, it's Twitter. It's not, it's not like real life. Relax. Just don't check your phone. You'll be fine. Well, people can't do that. We know that's impossible. Right. I, I, so like if Donald Trump tweets something, but so right now what Trump does, because he's not on Twitter, he puts out like statements, like PR statements. So what's the difference if he's doing that or on Twitter? Like, you're, you're not, your life won't be over if that maniac's back on Twitter. Like just relax, calm down. Yeah, I, it's it's super avoidable. No, it's it's. I, I don't. I I think like look. If you already didn't like Musk, then you're just not going to like this. You're not going to have an open mind about it. You're not going to go, hey, could this actually be better? Because I've seen the arguments on both sides at the far extremes of like why this is terrible and why this is good. I'm not interested in any of that stuff. I've never right, have both been. Wrong. I right. I don't. You know, when when Trump was in office, and I would see friends of mine obsess about it every morning. I think, all right, yeah, like I don't like what he said there and I disagree with this too, but I personally am not somebody that would be interested in expressing how upset I was every fucking day. I just, I wouldn't. Like, I don't know. But there's people who are still doing that too. And I'm not, right. I think it's a waste of time. On both sides, on both sides. Uh, You know, that's that's kind of, so anytime it's this thing where everybody's kind of going, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. I'm just like, well, all right, all right. He he bought Twitter. We'll see what happens. Right. Maybe it's going to be worse. That's hard to imagine. Maybe it'll be better. I don't know if that's possible. But right. I know I, I probably don't know. That's the other thing is like a lot of these topics I go, I know I don't know. So right. I'm not going to say well, anything. But you have no problem not knowing and then firing off a ton of stuff. So you just hit on the, you just hit on something. You know, earlier you talked about people admitting they're wrong and no one likes to admit they're wrong. You just hit on the thing that no one ever wants to do, ever. And that's saying, I don't know. Like, nobody knows what's going to happen. But everyone, I will say this. Maybe I have this perspective on it. And maybe I shouldn't admit this publicly because it makes me look like I'm out of touch and old and an idiot. I don't know anything about Elon Musk other than, like, he invented Teslas and he smoked weed with Joe Rogan on his podcast. Outside of those two things, I know nothing about Elon Musk. He's not part of my world. I don't follow him on Twitter. I don't know anything about him. But But even without knowing anything about him, this this whole thing about like Twitter is going to be so much worse. Twitter is a complete hellhole now. There's not much worse for it to get. 
like I said, I, I don't know. And one of my favorite things about sports that, you know, we've always talked, we've even done this on the air, is that like, if I meet somebody and somebody goes, oh, you know, this is Ryan, he works in sports. And, you know, the person may not know that much about sports. I don't expect everybody to know who I am uh, because it's a very it's a very specific lane if you know who I am. You're meeting me. And then it may turn into like the Lakers, right? I'm in LA, I meet somebody be like, oh, the Lakers. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't too bad. You know, and they would they would say, like, well, they're gonna bring Phil Jackson back. You know, and I would be like, in my head, I'm going, holy shit. Like this person, this person is totally clueless. And yeah. sometimes that's just cocktail parties and conversation and wanting to be like, well, I'll I'll offer up my two cents on this topic that I know I don't know anything about, but I just met this guy in sports, so I'm going to make a sports right. observation. And I always wondered, yeah. is sports the topic where people are the most comfortable offering up an opinion knowing they're least equipped to offer mm-hmm. that opinion? All right? I think we've seen, I think lately we've seen it with politics, well, even, just even COVID. I mean, everyone on Twitter was a, <laughs> was a doctor for the last two years. Everyone's yeah, telling you you know, I was I was wrong about COVID, but I also knew I was wrong about COVID. You know what I mean? Like I knew right. my thing was I wasn't thrilled with like reading from somebody we'd, we'd known about COVID for two weeks and then they were telling me how to handle it. And I'm right. like, look, how are how'd you become an expert on this thing? Just because yeah. you read an article that everybody else already read. So when I used to think sports was that that topic that people were most comfortable offering up opinions, knowing they weren't really maybe armed with all the information, because I feel comfortable talking about basketball with everybody. I don't feel comfortable talking about the future of tech. I don't feel comfortable right. talking about politics. I don't feel comfortable talking about viruses um, other than when we kind of in the beginning were in the unknown of going, I don't know how bad this is going to be. And I thought other people presenting themselves as experts, I, I just kind of couldn't believe it. And I think the Twitter purchase is probably another example of that. Like when those the, in the early, <coughs> early in the beginning of COVID, when all the Karen videos were going crazy, and the people who didn't want to mask were like, "I'm breathing in CTO, which causes the oxygen level to go." I'm like, oh, "You can't possibly be serious." Like that's worse than the sports fans who know. Like you know, I will yeah. say this: carbon dioxide. I will say this. Yeah, rates. Yeah. I, I I feel like you know what Elon Musk buying Twitter like. I feel like this is what Twitter deserves anyway for never cleaning it up and letting the bots run rampant. I'm not talking about political Russian bots. I'm just talking about, you know, John 69696969, who just goes he's on there to follow. say, yeah. yeah, he says, you know, you suck because you say the Yankees or whatever. Like Twitter never cleaned that up. So you know what? Now you get what you deserve. And f- funny thing on the, I shouldn't even bring this up, but, you know, Kirk Herbstreit made this announcement. He's not going to the draft because he has issues with blood clots. And right away, you see all the people going, that's because he took the vaccine. Like I, The confidence to know that when you don't know him, you don't know his doctor. Like, so I do think, I think the people who are dumb with sports, who don't follow sports and make it, I always take that as like a funny, lighthearted, you know, you hear people say crazy things all the time, but we don't pay attention to sports. And for the most time, it can be amusing. But the other, you know, the other side of it is is way uglier, I think. No, you're right. You're right. And yeah. I, I don't... Uh... I got other stuff to do. Yeah, I'm pretty busy. Give me like, do you have a, give me a crazy, last thing, a crazy sports take you've heard that like someone actually believed that you can't believe they believe it. Do you have one? I'm trying to think of one now off the top of my head. Um, Uh, I I saw some, some, you know, again, I had these, these two 14 year old kids staying with me this week uh, and they had this, this terminology for, they call them NPCs. It was non-playable character. 
in a video game. Oh my god! <laughs> and so they would they would be be walking around, and if somebody felt like they weren't involved in something, I was dying laughing, man. And they were like NPC. 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 And I'd be like, what are you guys saying? And be like, non-playable character. Like you can't interact with him if you were expanding the world of whatever video game you were playing. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Like this needs to be applied to more stuff. And again, younger people may be listening to this. I know your audience. I know there's a lot of young people that love you, Jimmy. So I'll I'll look at like, because you get accused if you're doing this long enough, you're like, oh, it's a straw man. I'm like, no, if if I'm countering something, then I saw it from somebody real. So somebody who isn't an NPC, right? Uh, An actual playable character. I saw some people sniffing around the Trey Young is better than Steph Curry stuff. Oh, and that God. is like, that to yeah. me, like, if, if we were in different times, I would say we could round up people and invade that country yeah. if they were saying it. I always yeah. thought that New England or Massachusetts should be able to invade Hartford if the Pats actually went there. Um, <laughs> so whenever I see that's the Trey, a, when, I, when I see the Trey one. stuff happen, I usually feel like it's, it's coming from somebody that just doesn't <clears throat> like Trey. Which is yeah. which is fine because I could be accused of not loving Trey. So that's a good one. All right, Ryan, appreciate it. Uh, always fun when you come on and uh, enjoy the NBA playoffs as we uh, march on here to the finals. So you say Suns and I go Suns Celtics. Suns Celtics. Yeah, right. the Middleton thing. Yeah, you know, but I don't know. All Celtics right. been healthier than everybody, so we'll see if it holds out. Uh, thanks, I man. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. All right, good luck. The Ryan Rosillo Podcast, you know about it already, and uh, over at the ringer. Thanks, Ryan. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, joining me now for our weekly train of thought segment from WFAN and SNY TV in New York, Sal Licata. Sal, how are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm concerned about you. How are you this evening? I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm hanging I'm angry and I don't want to do this. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you right now where I just want to burn it all down. Yeah, I've, you know, I've been there plenty of times. Yeah. It's funny to see somebody else going through it, but obviously when you're when you are the one who was happening too, it's never funny. Yeah. Well, I, I took so I took a couple of days off from work 
one of those days being today and I'm still doing work by doing this. And then I realized I should have taken off. I never take off full weeks. And now I'm only like, whenever I take off, I usually take off like a Monday, Tuesday, because I got to take the podcast on Wednesday. And I need like a full week off. I think it's all. Tell tell me about it. I'm dying for like a full, like an actual week off. My issue is that I hate to even, I hate to even say this, especially knowing that my brother-in-law's friends listen to the show, but like, I need a week off for my wife and daughter as well. I need, I want a real like week off from everything. I'm, I I may, I may as Shelby afterwards to edit that out. I'm going to act as one of your best friends (laughs) and save you. And we're going to, we're going to edit that out. I think I don't, I don't need, to get in trouble um you know I, I mean in a way i'm glad i was off monday so when i'm not working i i'm not on twitter much um i was on it during the celtics nets game because that was a big deal but during the day you know normally when i'm working i'm on twitter all day <clears throat> and this was a good week not to be on there with the elon musk thing and the people losing their minds and the nfl draft with you know i mean there's nothing dumber in all of sports than a mock draft um, so it was a good couple of days to not be on Twitter. So, th- so that was good. Um, but I'll, I'll go to something. I think you're not going to like it. I love it. I can't, there's two things, two major developments for our first topic here from the NFL. The first thing is Peter King in his column said there will be an NFL game coming to black Friday. As early as 2023. And I have to say, that made me happy because I was on that bandwagon before anyone. Now, when I first pitched the idea three or four years ago, I said, make it a 930 London game because you have college football on that day. So you need something in the morning and, you know, you're home in the morning, you're stuffed from the day before. You don't want to go out and deal with Black Friday traffic. So you're trapped in your house. But they're not doing a 9.30 London game, though. I don't know if it's an afternoon game. I don't know if it's going to be a night game. Right. But we will finally be getting an NFL game on Black Friday. So I tip my cap to the NFL. Thank you for listening to me. I'd like that game as early as possible. 12, 1 o'clock would be nice. But if it's at night, fine. I love it. What do you think? I, no, I hate it. Now, I would not be. <laughs> see, I think it's, well, you already know what I'm going to say here, but I think it's over. Now, 20 year old Sal, yeah, the more the merrier. Right now, I need less. And I'm really ticked off about the Christmas stuff. Like, that is oh, non negotiable to me. That's that, where I was going next. That's the greatest Christmas present I've ever gotten in my oh, life. Come, there's no Christmas I, Eve. This, it doesn't make any sense. They're moving the slate of games on Sunday. To Saturday, because well, no, no, not this late. Just, just three games. Just three games. No, but aren't they moving the right? What would normally be the full Sunday slate is getting moved to Saturday. Right, right. That's but what they always. But they're putting do. three games on Sunday anyway. God bless Roger Goodell. God bless the NFL. God bless the broadcast networks. God bless them all. Now, two things. Back to Black Friday for a second before we get to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. If the game is Friday night. I don't have a problem with that. Why would okay. you want it like late Friday night as opposed to the afternoon? I'm sure whatever network, it's going to be an Amazon Prime. I don't know if they know what they're doing yet. If they right. know what they're doing, they'll want it at night. Um, and then I guess there's some interesting tie in there with Black Friday, people shopping the games on Amazon Prime. You're shopping on Amazon. But that's okay. going to be, according to Peter, it's an Amazon Prime game. And just for some dummies on Twitter, let me just address this real quick. 
you fight because they're yeah because I got dopes being because I've been railing against the baseball, and so someone's like, oh well, how is this good or why is this better? Okay, if you don't understand the difference between a one-off Friday game on Amazon Prime than a regular season baseball game, you're an idiot. Don't tweet me, please unfollow me. Okay, um, <laughs> and the NFL can do what they want in case anyone hasn't noticed. Right, baseball we'll turning turning away their fans that makes a lot of sense. I, yeah, I don't care what time of day that game is. I'll take it any. I'll go. I'll, I'll go early if it's the London game. I don't mind that idea because who's doing anything? It, it's not going to be London. It's not. Gonna I be know, London. but I like that idea. I think you're on a good idea because yeah, people yeah. are going to be home. I mean, right. that that to me would make would make some sense. So I, I like the mm. idea of having that that game either early or late, just in the middle of the day. It's going to – there's too many people that are going to okay, be inconvenienced but, by that. But can I ask you a question? I mean, you're sitting here about, you know, you got to do the family time. Right? What You're not going shopping on Black Friday. No. Right. No. So you'll be able to watch the game even if it's in the afternoon. No, but it, it, it ruins the day as far as planning. Like, so my mentality on that day, right, it's the day after <laughs> a holiday. I'm assuming, I'm hoping I'm going to be off from work. That's a day where it's a family day with the wife, with the kid, whatever. If the game is at 1 o'clock in the afternoon – or four o'clock, it ruins whatever kind of plans you can make. If the game is in the morning, you could go out after and have all day. If the game is at night, you have all day. And then I'm home by seven o'clock anyway. It's not going to be a big deal. So I, it should be at night on a Friday. I'm surprised you, you're doing family day on Black Friday when it's the worst day to go out and do anything. Well, no, it's not even going out. It could be anything. But whatever <laughs> it is that you're doing, right. if there's a game smack in the middle of the day, I cannot tell my wife. And nor I, should I, and nor do I want to. Hey, I got to watch this random football game. You know, where there's a game. There, I just watched three. So I just watched three games on Thanksgiving. I got to watch one random game on Black Friday, and then I got a full slate on Sunday coming up. I'm, that doesn't go over well. I mean, I'd be divorced. It's not going to work. Goes over well with me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling that'll be a night game. I have a feeling that'll be a night game. Right, which makes sense. And that's then, fine. <clears throat> the Christmas though is that's appalling to me. Come on, I you're think not it's gonna, the greatest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Now, let me ask you, Christmas Eve. So, let, let me just say, the last thing I want to do on Christmas Day is spend more time with my family after being with them on Christmas Eve. I've had enough. Give me three football games, give me FanDuel, and leave me alone. All right, fair enough. But why then does it have to be moved to Saturday? Why can't they just have the whole slate on Sunday? When, when Christmas whatever it is, day Christmas falls on a day. Sunday, right. falls on a Sunday. They always play the games on Saturday, on Christmas Why, Eve. Because they don't want to have a full slate of games on Christmas Day. But it may, they now just added two games, so now they have three games on Christmas. It is a full slate. It may not be 14 Well, games, no, it's not a full slate. It's three games. Right, but and the 1 o'clock, but here, 4 o'clock, and, 8 o'clock. And, and here's the reason this happened. You want to know why it happened? Because last year, when they had the Browns-Packers game on Christmas Day, Right. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was the second highest rated game of the season, non-playoffs, behind right. the Cowboy game on on Thanksgiving. So that's why they're doing – so here's here's how it works, right? So NBC gets that game Christmas Day at night. Right. <clears throat> that game, I believe, the Browns and Packers, I believe, was a Fox game. So CBS okay. sees Fox getting the second highest rated game of the season. They see what NBC now they want in on the action. So now they'll get a one o'clock. I'm sure that and I'm sure it'll be like Thanksgiving where they'll flip flop and rotate it. Understood. I Understood. love it. Now it's not going to be in every. Is it an every year thing, or this is just this year because it's Sunday? Well, it depends on what day it all falls. Yeah, it depends when it falls. Like, I, well, 
<clears throat> yeah. Well, no, I think what they'll, yeah, yeah. It depends what day it falls. Right? Here's, they, let me just tell you real quick why I don't like it. And, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that people aren't going to watch. I mean, you'd be an idiot to say that people aren't going to watch the NFL. I need a break from it. So I, and I love football and that's why I'm annoyed. I love Christmas and I love football and they're combining the two things and I can't do both. That's too much of an ask for me to commit Christmas Eve and Christmas day to it. So I can't do it. And that's one week I'm going to be out. I want, I want to detach from it where I go hard for 17 weeks or 18 weeks plus the playoffs. That's one that to me, Christmas Eve, Christmas day, that's non-negotiable. So I just, I, and I'm bothered because I want to lock in. I want to watch the games, especially if they're big games. I give you Thanksgiving. I'm doing that. I can concede to a Friday night, Black Friday, the Thursday <laughs> night, the Monday night, all freaking year long. I can't do Christmas. I can't wait to text you on Christmas Day. This game is so good. Too bad you're not watching it. Yeah, right. What bet you have, exactly. I think the way they're going to do it is, so the NFL basically now wants to own Christmas Day. So I think on the years when Christmas Eve and Christmas Day fall on like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Mm -hmm. that's when there's going to be games on Christmas Day. There's going to be games on Christmas Day, I think, going forward, unless unless Christmas Day falls on like Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. Maybe Thursday. When it falls on the other days, they're going to have three games on Christmas Day going forward. This is the new normal. So you're right. I'm sure. Your life. I'm sure that'll be the case. Well, hasn't there been two at least right This was the, the last first year they years? did. This past year was the first year they did two. I thought that they are. And would they have the year before one? <sighs> yeah. Okay. No, no, they did two. They did two as well, I think. Right. But this was, uh, they, yeah. But this year, there was something different about this year. I don't know. But <clears throat> okay. I love it. Give me as many NFL games on as many days as possible. That's yeah. my, that's my philosophy. <clears throat> I love that you hate it. It's, it's so just good. annoying. Like I said, what uh, I told you, single style. Was, I remember being when I first started working at the fan, being uh, whatever I was, twenty three, twenty five, whatever, and like dying for the third Thanksgiving night game. Like, oh, this is going to be the greatest <clears throat> thing ever. And now I'm like disgusted by it. By the night game on Thanksgiving, I can't. I can't plan my day accordingly. So I have to figure out a balance. For me, I'm either all in or I'm out. And I cannot balance a wife and a kid and a family and be locked into the NFL Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, holidays. It never freaking ends. Lock me in. Lock <laughs> me in. Yeah. Yeah, to me. Now, I will say with the baseball, like when the Yankees were on Amazon Prime the other night, like I didn't watch it. Like I can easily live without a regular season baseball game. We, need to, do, we need to do a – life swap and i want you to take my place for the holidays for a year yeah, I, or whatever no, no, what I, that's like no i set this the, up the way i've wanted i don't need to swap yeah no no i know but just say <laughs> you're exactly right but i <laughs> want to be I, I remember what it's like to be single and a lot of yeah sure more games to america i got nothing to do and then when you have the wife and kid it's just and look you know obviously you got a family that's you know really that needs your presence and all that stuff but boy it is just such a difference from when I was single and living in the city, coming and going as I pleased. You need a psychiatrist, is what you need. A psychologist, therapist. Oh, no, I know, the, I, don't, I know the. I don't. I know the issues. I know. I, I don't need to figure out what the problems are. I know them. <laughs> I feel like I'm your Doctor Melfi right now. This podcast is not going to go well for you. Yeah. Um, I I think last week I mentioned to you. I said that I was very into the NBA playoffs. Did we talk about that or not? Yes, you said that you were very yeah. into it. I said I was just into net Celtics. I, I think it's right. getting better. The Memphis series is is a good one. I'm into it, but not very into it. I think the reason I, I keep thinking about why am I so into it this year, and I think I think it's really because of COVID. Because the two years with the bubble and the nonsense with COVID, now it's like you know, 
this was a real NBA season. And I think that's what it is. But I, I, I still can't get it off. I could do without, you know, the amount of stuff out there about Kyrie and, and Durant. It's just it's so annoying already. But um, I mean, that's because we're in New York. But All right. Well, I, I am into I the NBA think- playoffs. I actually think the Nets are a bigger story nationally than locally. I just don't think locally there's any buzz. I don't think enough people care. It's more the Nick angle where Nick fans are happy that the Nets are out. But, yeah, I mean, with KB and Kyrie, that's a- This has been such a big topic with the NFL announcers. The NBA announcers keep me locked into games. I love Ian. I love Kevin Harlan. Gus has been doing games. I love listening to Jeff Van Gundy, and you know, when he's doing the games, bringing inside the NBA every night is just tremendous. That adds a lot to it for me. So I'm, Agreed. I'm big. I've the, been into the, it a lot. The, the inside of the NBA is the best. I'm going to tag one more guy in there, Brian <laughs> Anderson. And the reason yeah. why I mentioned Brian Anderson is because for the first time, usually I'll hear like Bob Costas or Al Michaels or Marv, whatever. And it brings me back for, or Joe Buck. Even it brings me to a postseason atmosphere for the first time last night. I heard Brian Anderson calling the Nets Celtics game, and he had a not even basketball terms, although I'm watching the basketball playoff game. It reminded me of the baseball playoffs. There was a special feel hearing Brian Anderson's voice. It's a Sal's of Brian Anderson. The guy who I've really, I've always liked, but in the last few weeks, I, I've really come to enjoy him when he's doing the games. And obviously, there's the whole thing with first take. But J.J. Redick is great. I'm a big J.J. Redick fan. He did a game the other day with Dave Patch, who's very underrated. Um, and Redick is really good. And I like having the, that kind of younger, you know, and I like Richard Jefferson, too. He's another guy who does the games on Yes, and then he does the games mm-hmm. on ESPN. I'm a big fan of those two guys. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I asked you last week if you watched Winning Time. You said you were going to. Did you or did you lie? Yes, I did. I binged it. Now, I didn't watch the latest one. So it uh, was the last one on Sunday night. That was number eight? Yes. So I saw the first seven. Uh, I was addicted to it immediately. The the one thing that I would say, now I've heard some stuff, and then obviously you watch the episodes and you go research and see what's factual, what's not. Right out of the gate, as much as I enjoy it and love the show, right out of the gate, it's – 
it's too sensationalized. I personally prefer a little more reality. Um, so I'm try- I want to learn more about it. I know nothing about the situation, but I'm into it. I love the show. I think the acting is phenomenal. Um, what's the main dude that plays Jerry Buss? It was John C. Riley. He's John fantastic. C. Riley. Oh my yeah. God, I love him. So uh, I'm yeah. fascinated by the story. I can't wait to watch the last episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody necessarily is painted in a good light, maybe except Dr. Buss. But uh, yeah, I'm into it. I just wish it was less sensationalized and over-the-top drama. I think they're doing that because they're trying to bring in the non-NBA fan. <clears throat> so that's what they have to do. And I do think this would appeal to someone, even if they weren't huge NBA fans. I don't think you need to be a Laker fan. I've enjoyed it. Um, I find the lawsuit fascinating because I think Jerry West just brought more attention to it. And I was surprised because on Tuesday, HBO came out and with a very, very strong statement and basically said, we're not apologizing. We're not doing a retraction. And this is, you know, no one thinks this is real. We, we, we've made it clear. It's a, it's a, things have been dramatized. Is that a word? And, uh, I thought for sure they'd issue some sort of apology or something like that. But I guess if they do that, then maybe they have to change the show. And the, and the, the show is going to have a second season. How many episodes <laughs> so, do we get? How many episodes we get this year? I'm, I'm not sure. But I do. I, I watched the one that aired this past Sunday. I won't give you any spoilers. But what I really liked about this Sunday, and I think what you'll appreciate when you watch it, I know you will, is now we're getting into the Riley stuff. Oh, so I love it. Yeah. That's right. what I'm I, – you- I don't know about Adrian Brody as – Riley, I'm having a, it, I started to warm up midway through this last episode, but um, I'm fascinated now to watch the Riley stuff. That's what that's really what I'm into more than I agreed a hundred percent. As somebody who grew up obviously like yourself, the 90s Knicks, I, right. I'm fascinated by Riley. I mean, I like the whole thing in general, but yes, I'm intrigued by that character. It's an entertaining show. Oh, <laughs> I just wish, and Jeff Perlman is you know, it's fine, he's but he's wrote those books, the the, the, the or written those books that have been. Over, to me, over the top, too. The Bad Guys, 1 and 86. I love that one. I know the Cowboys book. I feel like they're over the top, and the show is even times 10, like, over-dramatized. And I don't think there's a need for it. I don't need Jerry West to be that out of control. I want a better feel for what Jerry West was really like. Well, I'll say a couple of things. I, I mean, I think the books are accurate. He can't, he can't exaggerate in the books. The TV is, show is obviously different. Now, I've read a couple of things that, you know, while this is a um, exaggerated maybe version of Jerry West, it's not totally off base. So I, I think they just, you know, did it. Interesting. Uh, they they obviously exaggerated and made it made it way more intense. But I think some of that is based in reality. And well, let me just give you my perspective. I don't know if anybody, you know, I did not, I was not familiar with this, right? I, I, right, didn't, right. I mean, I know who Jerry West is. I know about the Lakers, but I had no idea. And I never, like, I never thought anything twice about Jerry West being a bad guy or that character like that. When you see that, that leaves an impression on you, even though it says this has been over-dramatized for TV, whatever. I'm watching that thinking, holy cow, Jerry West was such an asshole. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe how poorly he comes across. Now, I know that that's not the truth necessarily, but there's a part of me that thinks there's something to it. So it does warp my mind who doesn't know anything going in about to maybe how Jerry West is in real life. Yeah. The one thing I never knew, and I felt like an idiot for not knowing this, I wonder if you knew it. I never knew that whole, and and this is what was fascinating. Of course, you know, my brain is so warped. 
when I watch it, I always think, imagine if Twitter was around, imagine if the internet yeah. was around. I had, I had no idea that that coach, McKinney, got in this bicycle crash and, and was basically out of a job after 15 games because he almost died. I mean, that's one of those, imagine if that happened today, there, you know, that story was, I went to look that up. I was like, and that was actually real, which I couldn't believe. Uh, agreed. I immediately, first of all, mm -hmm. I've never heard of McKinney in my life before, before watching the right. show. So that just shows you, uh, but I went immediately as it was happening. I was like, get the hell out of here. This actually happened. And yeah, fascinating to read those details and read that that was a true story that this guy was on the verge of, you know, building a Laker, you know, the Showtime teams and a Laker dynasty. And unfortunately almost dies in a bike accident. Crazy. And then of course, all the, all the dominoes because Riley event, Riley right. eventually comes in. Then Riley goes to the Knicks. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's amazing how much gets affected yeah. by that. Um, all right. We went long on these two topics. So that's good. Um, can't wait for Christmas day. And <laughs> Let me know how you enjoy the latest winning time that focuses on Riley, and then we'll see you next week. All right. Enjoy. All right. Thanks, we'll talk Al. to you later. All right. Yeah, that must have been that must have been my computer that froze. Weird. Yeah, edit that however. I mean, it wasn't even a big deal, but just I heard his voice and I was like, wow, it reminds me of baseball postseason. Yeah, see, I didn't hear any of that. All right. All right. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you later. Yep, hang in there. I'll talk to you later. All right. All right, that wraps up this episode of the SI Media Podcast. My thanks to Ryan Rosillo and Sal Licata. If you missed any recent episodes, you can go into the SI Media Podcast archives and check those out. Kenny Smith from the wildly popular Inside the NBA was on last week. Ian Eagle, two weeks ago, Anand Burke, three weeks ago, Greg Gumbel, four weeks ago. All interviews were on the SI Media Podcast. So go into the archives and check those out. Subscribe to the SI Media Podcast. And if you could rate and review on Apple, I would greatly appreciate it. And we'll read those on the air, one of the uh, upcoming pods. All right, that wraps up. We'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Stay safe and take care. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.